I want to ask you a question. When you really think of God as we have it right there in the beginning, where we're told in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then you have the creation week there, and then Adam and Eve were made by God, and it was very good, perfect. But before that, God made the heavens and all the angels and Lucifer, and he was perfect. So there was a time when everything was perfect. Okay? Think as your mind can, and God made you to be able to reason and think. So there was a time when everything was perfect. But God made Lucifer with the power of choice, as he made all of us with the power of choice. And you know what happened. Rather interesting that in this church they have that whole uh, chart of the beginning and what will happen at the end. However, my question to you is this. How great is God really? Be perfect, be ye perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect, Matthew 5, 48. And perfection is perfection. Right? There is such a thing as something that's a counterfeit. And I'm rather intrigued with the story that I went through in Korea. When we went there, we were told to make sure we go to a certain place, and there we will actually be able to buy genuine Reebok shoes. Genuine. So when we first came to a place that had shoes on a certain street, you know, they have their little booths, and we asked for genuine Reebok shoes, not imitation. And sure enough, they didn't have any. And then we went to another place, another place. And as we walked along the streets, finally somebody came along running and said, I think we have the shoes you want. We have genuine imitation Reebok shoes. <laughs> and they're made aftermarket. They want us to make sure we got the genuine ones. So there is a point to where you and I must somehow put ourselves together and realize that a counterfeit is still a counterfeit. And the only way to find out what is a counterfeit is to make sure we know what the genuine is. And genuine perfection, God is perfect and he wants us to be likewise. Uh, it's rather interesting that as we look at some of the information that we have, uh, sin is something that 
has caused Lucifer to be the father of sins. And he was able to persuade Adam and Eve not to fully trust God. And God said what he is, and Lucifer was able to twist it enough to deceive one-third of the angels. And one-third plus Lucifer were not perfect anymore because of sin. It's rather interesting that uh, in Steps to Christ, there is a statement there that I'd like to read to you because nobody could put it in better words than God-inspiring Mrs. White to go ahead and put it in this manner. And I want you to listen very carefully because there's an amazing amount of logic and, uh, and information, and then there's a conclusion that uh, I'm sure you probably read it or heard about it, but nevertheless, it's very apropos. It says this, It was possible for Adam, before the fall, to form a righteous character, before the fall, to form a righteous character by obedience to God's law. Are you seeing something that you haven't seen before? God made Adam and Eve, but he made Adam, and he could have. He was made, but he was made to live forever and ever. And this statement, which gives us a little insight in something that we as human beings cannot really think of because we've all sinned, have come short of the glory of God. So it says it was possible for Adam before the fall to form a righteous character by obedience to God's law. But he failed to do this because of his sin. Our natures are fallen and we cannot make ourselves righteous. Since we are sinful, unholy, we cannot perfectly obey the law of God. We can't even do that. So we have a problem. We have no righteousness of our own with which to meet the claims of the law of God. We can't. We're finished. But watch what happens after this, because God has a perfect plan. But Christ has made a way of escape for us. He lived on earth amid trials and and, uh, temptations such as we have to meet. He lived a sinless life. He died for us, and now he offers to take our sins and give us his righteousness. Did you get it? That's important. Very important. Because the following statement says, if you give yourself to him, and we've been studying in Sabbath school lesson, and thank you for teaching so well. We've been studying of how the Holy Spirit leads, and we have to make a decision, do we or don't we? If you give yourself to him and accept him as your savior, then 
Okay, when you do that, something happens. Then, sinful as your life may have been, for his sake you are accounted righteous. Christ's character stands in place of your character, and you are accepted of God just as if you had not sinned. Friends, you have it all. And incidentally, that is in Christ's uh, steps to Christ. Uh, it's just amazing how this puts it together in such a beautiful way to have us realize more fully of how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is not just everlasting life. It is a life everlasting that every day is a better day, 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 a better day. And you say, hold it, I can't understand what you mean. I don't either, but all I know is going to be better because we're told here, right to begin with, if it was possible for Adam before the fall to form a righteous character by obedience to God's law, it was possible for Adam before the fall to form a righteous character by obedience to God, by being, obeying, obeying God every day is more righteous, 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 forever, forever, forever. And it'll never end, and it will never be as perfect as God is, but we're created, God is. Are you following? Are you able to think it through, to realize that God is way beyond what we could even understand? Paul says, he, God, has made known to us his hidden purpose. I tell you, when you and I think of the insights that we as God's people have by the way God has used certain people in this church, in other churches, and way back when the fathers of this organization, including the way God used Ellen White, we have insights that how can we keep it to ourselves? He, God, has made known to us his hidden purposes, such as was his will and pleasure determined beforehand. Ephesians 1.10. Beforehand in Christ. To be put into effect when the time was ripe, namely, that the universe, all in heaven and on earth, might be brought into unity with Christ. And with the Sabbath school lesson that we've been having, I tell you, it just shows how good God is and how we also should be Christ-like, the fruits of the Spirit. Ephesians 1.11, it says, Being predestined, that's pre-planned for, according to the purpose of Him, God, that is, Him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his, 
God's own will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember a few steps ago when I told you how important it is to make sure that we literally say to Satan, I will take my will away from you because he's got the will of all. And I'm going to give it to Jesus. And then look and pray to Jesus. Jesus, I'm giving you my will. You take it. And when you are sincere and honest to do it, it's going to happen. You know, Christ our righteousness has given us another insight that is really intriguing. Uh, the question there is, what is justification by faith? Question mark. I'm quoting. It is the work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust. Is that justification by faith? You're a pastor. We are members. And pastors are just ordinary members like you. We're all together. We don't have any extra insight except that we look into the Bible. And when we read something like this, it kind of, it kind of shocks us. But you have to read as much as possible on all ends of it to see what is it saying. It is saying that we almost have to be put back to dust so that God can recreate us. Adam, God formed him from what? What is justification by faith? It is the work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust, comma, and doing for him that which is not in his power to do for himself. And you know how many people are trying their best to do it by themselves, for themselves, and for everybody else to see how righteous, how perfect they are. When man, reading further, when man sees their own nothingness, they are prepared to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Until then, until then, there is that something in our human mind that says, I want it because I need it. And here's what I'm going to do with it. Or, thy will be done, Lord. I'm nothing. I want you to take over completely. Hallelujah. You understand what, what we're trying to reason through here? And the Bible reassures us of something like this, where it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5, 1. And when you have peace, not like the world gives, 
you really have peace that lasts for eternity. Romans 5, 1 says it so beautifully. And uh, you and I must understand that when something like this happens to our life, we are something special. Uh, let me uh, skip a little bit here and share with you some other information that I think is very important. And that is when we read something like this and realize how God wants us to reason, we begin to realize that we must have faith in God. We must believe in Him. Almost as if to say, Lord, I believe. I believe. But please, Lord, help my unbelief. Because we're so human and so weak that we definitely need that extra. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what really, what kind of peace do we have? Uh, Romans 8, 7 says, the carnal mind is enmity against God. People can't help it. They are against God. The carnal mind is. Read for there, Romans 8, 7. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. They can't. That's the way people are. We've all sinned and we're carnal. And if we are, there's nothing we can do about it. That's the way we are. So then they are, let me read as follows. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And yet I read to you exactly how God justifies us to where you become righteous. In fact, in the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, I believe, where it says, if ye confess your sins, we must understand first, if we, that we have sinned. He is faithful, as we confess, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, what are you? Before God. And the statement I read to you is it, just beautiful. In fact, Ephesians 4.13 says, Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And uh, if I may just add a little bit here. God is trying his hardest to do everything he can for us. He has to deal with us. He has to reason with us because we have a mind. And isn't it interesting that in Revelation, the Bible says very clearly in 3 about neither being hot or cold. God does not want us to be lukewarm, but to be hot or cold. And if we're not hot or cold, what are we? We're lukewarm. And when we're lukewarm, what happens 
what does God do with us? He what? He spews us, us out of his mouth. Some Bible verses actually say spit us out. And some say vomit, correct? Spit is, you voluntarily do that. And those of you who are nurses, how does vomit take place? Involuntarily. Did you know that God loves us so much that he tries to keep us in him? He tries everything possible to keep him, to keep us in him. And because we're lukewarm, it finally comes to where he cannot help it. Are you, are you seeing the difference? Some translations just say spit. No, no, no. God will do everything to save us. And if we don't want to be saved, he cannot help. Are you seeing the difference? And my question to you right now is, how are you with God? Are you so obnoxious and so undesirable and not willing to even follow what God's Holy Spirit is telling you to, that even God's Holy Spirit says, you know, there's nothing I can do anymore. And the lesson study that we're having on the Holy Spirit is beautiful. In fact, I had a series in this church on the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and a man that was sitting right here was not a seventh Adventist, and he simply said, Right out loud. You're talking to me. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm talking to myself because this applies to all of us. Just a few months after that, he was baptized. And unfortunately, a few years later, he passed away. It's amazing how God leads because God knows everything. And we know almost nothing. So keep in mind that God is so great, so beautiful, and so wonderful that he tries his hardest to do what he can with us. And yet, sometimes we make it so hard. No man, John 14, 6, cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. And yet God has come to the place where he really wants us to be fully on his side and to trust him fully. We had a little dispute before you folk came to our Sabbath school, and Elwin made it very clear that the mind and the heart is one, right? Well, when you look into the Bible and the spirit of prophecy as well, it's used interchangeably. Mind and the heart, same thing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2.5. And why do we still sometimes not have the mind of Christ, but have the mind of the evil one? Why? 
And here God is trying to restore us back to his image. And when he comes, how far are we going to be on the way of having the mind of Jesus? Depends on you. And God wants the best for you. Revelation 13, 8, for Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? He is the one who has done everything for you. For God so loved, Christ so loves you, the Holy Spirit guides you. How can anyone be lost? Or, should I put it, how wonderful it is that God gives everyone the opportunity to be someday perfect, just like God is. And God made us in his image. So the beginning that God intended for this world will be the end of what he will have restored. And no more sin. And yet, being in heaven, we will. As I read, that Adam will still grow and grow and grow and grow. But what a family of God, and we're connected to that family even right now. Do we have the musical number first or after? So I'm going to ask you, what you have heard from the Bible, in the pen of inspiration, which gives us a little interesting insight. Do you feel that God has really spoken to you? As he has spoken to you, may I now suggest to you that as we pray, that you will again make sure that your will is not on the evil side. But your will is given, has been given to God. And that God will take it and give it back to you. But he will make you, as the Sabbath school listens, combine to him as a branch in the vine. And what a blessing experience is going to be. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for how your Holy Spirit has the opportunity to touch each heart and mind in such a way that we know that you are guiding, directing each one of us. And we pray that everyone that's present here has been blessed. Everyone that's here is determined to place their will in your hands and that they will sense more fully how you have originally planned to have the whole universe and this world perfect. And we're looking forward to that day when everything will be perfect because we have fully surrendered to you and you are in charge of our lives throughout eternity. May that be the experience of each one present here and those that wish they could have been here and they were not able to be here. So bless us, we pray in thy name. Amen. Amen.